Hi everyone, it's Katie Bochig here for episode three of the topic. Here I am here with Lily. Lily, you can say hi. Hi, how are you? Um, so Lily is a freshman right now at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Vanderbilt is ranked number 14 in national universities by U.S. News and World Report, offering 70 different undergraduate majors. Vanderbilt has an average acceptance rate of 12%. And about Nashville specifically, it's a city with a growing job market. It's named number two um, with the best job market. And it's center for industries such as healthcare, finance, publishing, technology, entertainment, and so this makes Vanderbilt a very desirable place for college as it is like almost a town of opportunity and fun. So Vanderbilt has an average um, SAT score between 1470 and 1570, which is obviously very high. And I know, Lily, you are an admitted student here, a freshman. And so I just want to talk a little bit about your high school experience. So I was just curious to know like what your GPA and just stats were in high school Um just to get you like in the realm of this college? Yeah, so I think I was in the STEM magnet program at South River. So obviously I had some opportunities, um, lots of opportunities to take AP classes. And I think that was a really crucial part in Anne Arundel County Public Schools. We do the weighted GPA system. So the more AP classes you take, obviously the higher GPA is. So I think... My final GPA ended up being around like 4.7 yeah. or so. It was around that. So um, definitely definitely AP classes um, in high school were great. And then working hard to score well on the AP tests, um, that was also important because I, Vanderbilt was, and as many schools were in my application year, it was during COVID, so um, – it was test optional, so all yeah. of my SATs basically got canceled. So the AP scores were really um, crucial. So just making sure um, studying for those exams and scoring well was, I think, helpful for getting in here. Yeah. So when you say they were canceled, did you? So I know that like COVID happened in March 2020. So did they just? I was a sophomore during this time, so I wasn't really thinking about the SAT. Did they just stop having SATs? Like there were no in person. So I yeah, it based. That's basically what happened. I had been in the process okay. of planning for um, taking an SAT. Like at our school sponsored SAT that we would take in school was supposed to be, I believe three or four days after school canceled. Yeah, I just took it March 23rd. <laughs> Pandemic. So it was really frustrating because everyone, I know it was not just a me problem, everyone who was planning on taking the SAT because that was the one you got for free. So of course everyone was going to take it. Um, we all got kind of screwed over yeah. because we, we studied so hard and we were ready for it and then it got canceled. And then I think in April, they said, or April or May, they were going to reschedule it. And so I studied again oh. for it, and then it got canceled again. And then July, I studied again for it, and then it got canceled. Finally, in October, they did in-person ones again. But by that point, I knew I was going to be applying, like, sort of early decision or early action to certain schools. And so by the time I got my scores back from that, it was too late to submit them to my yeah. school. So um, definitely that test on optional option came in handy and I know a lot of schools are continuing to be test optional which I honestly think is great but I know that's 
still subject to change. Yeah, for sure. I think it definitely is subject to change because I know that, like, I mean, I'm not going to be applying to MIT, but I know that MIT is now back to the SAT. And I think some schools are, like, bobbling between keeping it and not keeping it. And I think that it... I don't think it should be considered as much as it is, but also I think it's driving up the number of applications for competitive schools and that's an issue within itself. So I think that kind of makes like the low acceptance rates this year, extremely like not correct to, I don't know. I just think everything has decreased a lot when it really shouldn't have been, I guess. But um, do you think that like, I mean, I'm just thinking about, so you, we, you got out of school in March and were you at all panicking about like people that were going to submit, like they were have like a leg up over you or no? So at first I remember hearing, I mean, I would say, so that was my yeah. junior year. And so you're kind of in the middle of junior year is hectic as I'm yes. sure, you know, being a junior, but um, at first we really did not know that that was going to be the plan because everyone thought, okay, we're going to a few months and then we'll be back in school or a few months and then we'll, be normal obviously that's not the case and we really I think some point during the summer they said schools started to drop their test requirements so as schools dropped their test requirements I kind of cross-checked with that with my application list and I was like okay where now where can I apply given that I don't have an SAT score right now and eventually that like dropped, they all <laughs> dropped it. So every school on my list no longer had a testing requirement. And um, yeah, so that really, at that point, I wasn't necessarily, once I figured that out, it was still stressed about it because I still was wondering, like I was Googling, I was watching YouTube videos about like, what happens yeah. if I don't submit it? What Like, do I submit it if I have such and such score? Like, what, like all these what ifs. But really, like, no one was going to guess that because no one had ever – this had never happened before. So this was going to be a very unusual So just a lot of uncertainty. Year, and I had a lot of uncertainty. And I think a lot of people predicted that there were going to be way more applicants to these sort of highly um, highly selective schools. And that was – the trend continued this year. I know Vanderbilt has, like, 6.1% acceptance rate this year. And that's yeah. the lowest it's ever been. And my year alone year was the lowest it's ever been so it's continuing to go down and I know like most of the IVs were under yeah it was crazy and also like yeah and all like people like my friends that are seniors at school are talking about how like quote unquote screwed over they got because I know that in your year they over admitted and so a lot of colleges are struggling with like like Purdue for example had a whole housing issue like since they over admitted so much they didn't have enough housing for people and so now they had to under admit this year to make up for those issues. It's all just yeah. so crazy. I hope it's all fixed by the time I'm applying, but it's, it's, I think what happened with my year too, was once the pandemic hit, people still had time to determine from the year, the my junior year, the people who were seniors who had made their college decisions, they had time to figure out if they wanted mm -hmm. to take a gap year or not. So they, I got that same residual effect. So all these people, I know a lot of people here who took gap years right now and who are now freshmen, even though they graduated. Oh, in 2020. Okay. So you get all those people who took gap years because they realized that next year it was not going to be normal, which I understand because 2020 yeah, is Yeah, so to expensive college. too. <laughs> yeah, it is so expensive. So you want to have the full experience. And so they came. And so then you, then you have that issue of over – so you have people who are admitted in addition to the people who 
like it was possibly a regular number who they admitted, or then you have the people who took gap years, and so then now that's falling on too. I literally didn't even think about that part too. Yeah. That, I like a whole different number. About yourself in high school, what overall activities were you involved in in high school? Yeah, so I sort of, I mean, a lot of times you'll hear admissions counselors or people on the internet say you want to focus on one sort of area of things. And I understand what they say when they're saying that. Like, I understand why you sort of want to have a common theme in mm-hmm. your application. But at the same time, like, breadth is so important to have to be able to understand different aspects of things. So I did a definitely a hodgepodge of activities in high school from sports um, and taking leadership positions and sort of sports teams. Then I was really involved in best buddies uh-huh. and um, student governments and different environmental organizations. And so that was like within high school and then sort of stepping out of that doing just lo- – some different types of volunteering. So volunteering in childcare facilities and all of these random things. I did a lot of work with like Planned Parenthood and different reproductive rights oh, organizations outside of, outside of like the school context. Yeah. And then tried to bring some of that into like starting different clubs and stuff like starting reproductive justice club. It's South River. So I think that pulling, like showing that you have lots of different interest can also be just as impactful as showing and showing that you have like one common theme because people they want a they when you have a college admissions process that's holistic you really do want to look at the whole person you want to look at okay like what are they involved in like what number of things because it could be not necessarily number like there's more I guess what I'm trying to say is more well-rounded uh-huh. as an individual sometimes when you have a variety. Yeah, so yeah, because I do like hear that, like, they're looking for a niche person, I guess. But I do I do like your perspective about, about being well-rounded because it also is, I think, like, for example, like, for especially, like, more of STEM professions. I'm in the STEM program, too. And, like, we have a lot of focus on our coursework and stuff like that. But I feel like also, for example, on the complete opposite, like, being a public speaker is so important too, you know what I mean, to really tie the two together. So that's a really good um, perspective on that. And Best Buddies also is like a really good organization at South River. But um, just about the application process. So you said that you applied to some early decision. You can't do like you can apply to a couple of early decisions. Did you apply to any restrictive earlies? So yeah, I applied to early. So this is was really confusing to me when I was applying as well. So Early, there's a difference between early action and early decision. Early action is, and then there's restrictive early action, which is a whole nother ballgame. Early decision is you basically pick one school. You're supposed to pick one school. You apply to it. If you get in, you're going. There's very few oper- – there's basically the only way you would not go if you applied there is if for some reason financially it didn't work out. But you're almost – when you're submitting an early decision application, like that's what I did for Vanderbilt. So I submitted it and you can submit other applications that are around the early action, for example. So early action is when you, you can submit as many early action as you want. It just means that like sometimes early action decision rates are a little bit higher or it's just, you submit it everything earlier. And, um, 
And that then restrictive early action, I think I applied to one school with restrictive early action, but I didn't apply restrictive early action because it means you can't, you don't have to go there if you get in. I think Georgetown does this. You don't have to go there if you get in, but you can't apply to any other school's early action or early decision. So that's, it's very, like, it's a complicated process and I did not know it until I was filling out my common app applications. I really didn't know it. So there's those three buckets of like the early action, early decision, restrictive early action. So I was early decision to Vanderbilt. When I got into Vanderbilt, I basically withdrew all my other early action applications and then was like signed on. I'm going to Vanderbilt. So when, when you did all the other applications, were you still paying application fees or no? Unfortunately, yes, because um, I wasn't sure. I wanted to – I mean, you never know you're going to get yeah. into. Like, I, getting into Vanderbilt was absolutely not, like, certain. It was not going – I mean, we not had – it was such a low acceptance rate last year. It's – you really – getting into any school is not certain. You can't be certain you're going to get in anywhere. So yeah. just having those backups. Um, and if I did not get into Vanderbilt, then I was planning on submitting a whole another round of, like, early – or not early, just regular decision applications after the fact. Um, but I think I ended up submitting at the submitted my Vanderbilt application, submitted an early action to early action to UVA, University of Maryland, um, Case Western in Ohio, and then University of Delaware as well. So I think I might be missing one or two, but. I ended up withdrawing all of those other applications when I got into Vanderbilt because, like, that's the decision you make with you when you apply early decision. Okay. So the, you say that those were your top other than Vanderbilt, like Maryland, Delaware, UVA? Um, I would – it's a good question. I don't know if they would be my second choice um, uh-huh. or, like, next choice schools. They were more, like, the the schools – they had early action mm-hmm. options and no other schools that I were looking at had early action options. And since I already had like my common app essay ready and all those things, I was like, why not take advantage of the yeah. possibly slightly higher admissions rate by submitting those applications early. So I would have submitted all my applications like that early if I had been able to for yeah. these other schools. But um, also like, I didn't want to submit anything premature because of those application fees and such. Okay. That makes a lot of sense that, yeah. Cause I've always been like a little bit confused. Like it kind of makes sense. It kind of doesn't, but um, okay. That, that makes complete sense now. Um, so about applying to Vanderbilt early, what made Vanderbilt so appealing to you? So at first um, I actually, I came here my sophomore year and visited. So no COVID yet, nothing happened. Okay. And I was really, I honestly really did not like it at all. I don't know why I ended up coming back to it. Um, I was like, I, but granted I came, it was during winter break. It was rainy. It was disgusting out. It was cold, not, not fun. It was, it was not fun just because Nashville floods a lot. Really? And being that, you're so landlocked. Like, it's not the same. I miss the water. That's the one thing I miss <laughs> I got home. I miss being by the water. You miss the river. Um, yeah, I miss the bay. Um, but, so I don't know. I was very like, no, I don't want to do it. I want to be different. Like, I'm just not going to do that. 
go, I'm doing my research for college. And then you realize like, oh, okay, Vanderbilt's really good. Oh, they have the program I want, which is a very like niche major. Oh, they have a like, if you get into this program, then your opportunities for going to grad school are greatly improved. And you uh-huh. just have, there were so many reasons to then like just academically, like, it made sense. And then I really started reading and talking to people who came here and reading about their experiences and just the facts. Like I really liked the um, atmosphere they described, like this whole okay. um some schools that can be really cutthroat in terms of just co- feeling like you're competing against one another. Yes. And that's especially you see that among like that's definitely a stereotype among um, elite schools. I don't love that term. I, yes. Yes. I don't I really don't like that term, but that's definitely a stereotype. And I Vanderbilt, they I think it's ranked like one of the happiest college campuses. I Uh honestly fully believe that and understand that now that I'm here because it's sort of that work hard, play hard mentality. Like that's perfect school and you've got this perfect balance of your social life and granted everyone's still struggling, but everyone's wants you to succeed. So everyone's helping each other out. You're all happy to help each other out too. Like I, I could go up to anyone here and say, Hey, could you help me with this? And be like, Oh, absolutely. It's not like a it's not being concerned about like, oh, I have to fight them to get into the major I want to basically because you get into – you get to pick whatever major you want. You don't have to apply into a major here. So oh, that's okay. Really that's perfect because yeah. – yeah, because I was talking with um, my cousin right now who lives in California and just got into like Santa Cruz and is waitlisted at Santa Barbara and San Diego and they were like, she was saying how she applied to college as a biochemistry major, but now wants to do business. And now she has to like reapply and do all of this paperwork to reapply to a school like, or like a program in her school when she's already admitted in the school. I was like, that's so weird. So I feel like I didn't really think about that aspect of it until I, I heard what she said. And then also what you said. Yeah. Um, so you can just pick like any major you want, like no. Yeah. I mean, you, when you're applying, when you're filling out your common app or whatever coalition, whatever application system you're using, most schools nine times out of 10 will say, pick, like pick your intended major. And some schools you can apply, um, undecided and then other schools, but we have to be careful when you're looking at that is realizing if when you pick that major, you're applying into that department. Or if you pick that major, it's just like kind of a figurehead. Because um, a school doesn't want to admit, like Vanderbilt, they don't want to, if every single person wants to be computer science major, then you they can't admit every single person. Because yes. the computer science department is just not going to be able to handle that, obviously. Yes. So they want to just have general numbers. But once you're in school, like I, I've – changed my major a couple of changed one of my majors a couple of times I can if say today I wanted to go into engineering I could just fill out some paperwork switch to the engineering school I mean it's a little bit more complicated than that because I would have to change my classes too but in general like I could really switch to whatever department I wanted to so what are you actually majoring in at Vanderbilt I am a it's called medicine health and society that's my primary major um and my concentration within that is global health so that um it's kind of like a public health major that's how I describe it to people and then my second major is anthropology and then within anthropology I'm 
concentrating in like bioarchaeology and then health and genetics. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So do you have um, any like profession that you plan on trying to take those majors and apply to? Yeah. So I think right now I'm looking into two paths, um, undecided on which one will end up, but um, that's why very much in line with my major. So I either want to go down the epidemiology route. Um, I'm really interested in genetic epidemiology. So okay. that would require me to get master's and get a PhD. And eventually I want to end up in academia and teaching higher education. Um, but that's probably a little bit later down the line. Yeah, um, you got so much time to, to figure research. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but right, and then if I don't do that, then I think my other um, – goal would be to do something kind of similar, doing um, bioanthropology and biological anthropology and bioarchaeology in specific, um, uh -huh. maybe paleoanthropology, not totally sure. And that would basically be consist of just a lot of research and pretty much directly going into academia because there's not a lot of the job prospects in that area are a little bit different than the job <laughs> prospects in epidemiology. So that's the yeah. difference. But I'm really fascinated. Like right now, I'm or next year, I'm going to be working in a bioarchaeology lab. So oh my like gosh. Just getting, working into these sort of niche categories. Um, I've really loved taking classes that have sort of exposed me to all of those areas. That's cool. It sounds like you're really passionate about um, yeah. everything that you're doing there. Um about Vanderbilt, like about your classes there, um, and just, I guess, as a whole, do you like the size of Vanderbilt, like that, the population? Like, are you okay with the amount of people in your classes and stuff like that? Yeah, I honestly, I think the population, like the size of the school is amazing, especially the size of my like class of 2025. I think we have like 1,600 people, mm -hmm. which it's the perfect amount because – I feel like I'm seeing – it's not such a big school that I feel like I'm lost and I'm sort of overlooked, but I recognize people when I'm walking and I see friends all the time when I'm walking, but it's also uh -huh. not tiny that – in the sense that I can go and meet a new person every day. Like that's, that's – I really amazing. love that sort of balance. It's a perfect mid-sized school. Um, and it also helps that the way they set up the dorms for freshmen is that all the freshmen live on this like corner of campus and okay. they all live in houses with each other. So it's kind of, they call it a residential college. And so there's 10 freshmen dorms and we all live within like a five minute walk of each other. So we, and we all share a dining hall. So we, I see these people all the time and I really like the sense of community is great. That's perfect. Is it co-ed dorms or no? Uh, yeah. So I live on a co-ed floor, actually. Um, okay. Not all floors are like that. So all the dorms are co-ed. Some of the floors are co-ed, not all of them. They're transitioning or trying to transition to all co-ed um, floors because there's been some research that shows that people are just genuinely or generally happier on co-ed floors. Um, but I have really loved living in my dorm. It's not super large, so I know most of the people there. Yeah. Um, I also really like Oh, that's amazing. Um, talking about just dorms and being so close and stuff like that. Um, I know that it has been over two years since the pandemic started. And um, we were talking about how no one wants to go to college during the COVID year and stuff like that. But do you think that COVID changed anything at Vanderbilt for you? Or do you not think so? I think that there's sort of two parts to my school year. Um, 
I can't speak for the year before me because I know the people who graduated and were freshmen in fall of 2021, spring of 20, or fall of 2020, spring of 2021, they had a vastly different experience than I did. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it was until spring, my spring break, which is like early March, um, we had a mask mandate. And so we had a um, vaccine mandate. We had a mask mandate indoors everywhere. But yeah. honestly, it in terms of like eating inside, we could all eat inside. We were, Our dining halls were open. We could eat inside. Um, yeah. We were given takeout containers like and told to go to our rooms, but all the dining halls were open and everyone uh-huh. was inside. Yeah. And most of the activities we could still do, like we were just, it was basically, you just have to wear a mask. And because it was such, everyone was vaccinated and they called like the Vanderbilt bubble because there's no real roads that go through campus. So it's, it's everything. It's a very walking or walkable campus. Um, so yeah, it really is kind of a bubble and the numbers were kept quite low, the COVID rates. So so much so that, I mean, during when I got back from winter break, uh, Omicron variant was raging. And so we had a quarantine period where we weren't supposed to see anyone for a, like 10 days or something. And so everyone okay. was basically just like you eat and you could still, you know, you ate in your room, you, you, you're potted with your roommate if you had a roommate and, um, basically, but it was just those 10 days. That was the only like 10 day quarantine I had. And besides that, like now where you're mask optional indoors in our classes, it's totally normal. All of our dinosaurs are totally normal. We're using like all the reusable utensils because they're not necessarily, like I still understand the pandemic still going on, but university is not as concerned about it. So it really hasn't changed much of my freshman year. Like yeah, especially fully. having a yeah, especially having a fully vaccinated yeah place, which is yeah. that's a very that's very cool that you guys can all say that. Um, like and like things are um like obviously we have our mask mandate off now too, and almost everyone is not wearing a mask, and um things just feel super normal too, which is which is very nice. Um, it's been a nice light at the end of the tunnel, but um about your like experience on the Vanderbilt campus like are you involved in any organizations on campus and if so what are they yeah so I am on the club look I did not imagine myself being on the club lacrosse team in college I thought my club <laughs> lacrosse days were over but I found myself on the club lacrosse team and honestly oh. it was such a great experience that I'm loved it I plan on being on it for all four years um yeah, we get to travel and we go to really cool places. We play all these other schools. Um, we were we made it to nationals this year, so it was Aww. it's been a really great experience. The team is great. It's almost I'm not I'm not I don't participate in Greek life and Greek life. I mean, it definitely has a role here at Vanderbilt, but it's like becoming less and less of a role. But my if I have if I had to describe something that was most like a sorority to me, it would be my lacrosse team. Like they're just uh-huh. my family to fall upon. Um, That's amazing. Besides that, I have a research job at the Center for Teaching. So I do research on STEM education. Mm-hmm. Um, so my boss and I work with STEM professors and sort of we research like what methods can improve, like what are what do students need? How do we support students? So I'll be continuing that hopefully all four years, definitely next year at least. And then I think just a number of 
sort of public health organizations and clubs mm-hmm. and volunteering. I volunteer with this organization called Gift of Life, and it's a um, stem cell registry. So oh. we go to like professional hockey games and do events around the campus where we try to swab people to put them onto the international stem cell registry. Oh, so okay. that's another thing I pretty heavily participate in. But yeah. Sounds like you have a lot of fun stuff going on. Yes. Um, what advice would you have uh, for people my age, I guess, so rising high school seniors that are going to be starting the application process in a couple months? I know that your application experience was very different, but just if you would have any like little piece of advice that people you wish that you kind of knew. Yeah, I would say for me, I'm this might be me because I'm very much a perfectionist writer, but start and everyone will tell you this, but start early. I mean, taking in my a 650 word common app essay might not seem like a lot, but the amount of hours I spent editing that essay and worked with my <laughs> teachers to edit that essay and worked with my parents to edit that essay, worked with any family members to edit those that one essay was way more than it took to write the essay itself. Yeah, um, yeah. And then throw in all of the supplemental essays, it, they, mm-hmm. the time adds up and it comes, it takes a lot of time to come up with ideas too. So if you know, my suggestion is I know the Common App system and coalition, I don't know as much about coalition, but I know they don't open up right now. But if you know that there's some schools you're going to apply to, yes. go online, look up what their supplemental essay questions are. Nine times out of time, 10, they will have them on their website also, look up what the Common App questions are because those never really change. Uh-huh. And start, even if it's just brainstorming, you don't have to outline your essay right now because yeah. you have some time to do that. But think of ideas because that also takes a long time. So that's my recommendation. Just sort of start the essay process early. Okay. Yeah. I feel like everyone says that, but then most of people – I mean, I have no room to talk. I haven't even started it yet, but I feel like most people – like still don't start early <laughs> it's easier said than done for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. but I will say doing college applications when it got down to the wire if I it was already very stressful um and I definitely made it more stressful for myself <laughs> plus just, it was it, just a stressful time in general too. it definitely was there were a lot of factors going into it but yeah if I had not and I didn't start as early I I should practice what I preach and start, uh-huh. should have started earlier myself. But I think when it gets down to you're starting your senior year, you have all these things going on, classes, you're in-person school. So I was like online school. So that yeah. was just another, it was just a different experience. You just, there's so much to do besides writing your essays. Yeah. That if you start that earlier, then it will make your fall semester more enjoyable. Completely. Completely. Okay. I guess that is all for today. Um, thank you so much for meeting with me today and hope you have a great rest of your year. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a nice rest of your year.